this is Chaim Bravender, Rosh Yeshiva, the Web Yeshiva. And we're going to try again to understand what happened with the Miraglim, what happened with the spies. So let's start from the Psukim in Dvarim, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Kavbeta Kavkim. Now you have to understand or remember, not understand, you have to remember that the story in Dvarim was told 38 years after it happened. 38 years after it happened, and it was told by Moshe. It was told by Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? It was told by Moshe Rabbeinu, and the, this is how he tells the story. You all came towards me. Do you see it? Yeah. I guess I can request. Okay, here we go. Vatikrivu they like Kulchem. You see it? Vatomru, Vatomru. All of you came to me and you said, What did you say? Nishlecha anashim lifanenu. Let us send people before us, spies, and they will dig up everything that you have to know about the land that we're about to enter and try to conquer. And they will repeat, they will bring back information, how the roads are, and how the cities are. And then the Pasuk says, Vayitav be'enai hadavar, vekach mikem shneim asar nashim, ish echad l'shavet. That's what the Pasuk says. Vayitav be'enai hadavar. Who is speaking? Who is speaking? Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking. I thought it was a good idea, he says. Vekach mikem shneim asar nashim, ish echad l'shavet. It's almost as though this story has been totally sanitized, right? They came and they asked Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, hey, it's a terrific idea, and, I, and he sent them. This is how Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story himself. Now, in order to emphasize the Moshe Rabbeinu aspect of the story, you have to learn the Rashi a little bit. So Rashi says, they were all mixed up. And he's going to explain what that means, that they were all mixed up. I don't know why this doesn't actually work. It says, further on in Dvarim, Perik, hey, this is Dvarim Perik Aleph. It says, he says, there's another puzzle where it says, who came to me? Who came? First, the heads of the tribes, the elders, etc. In other words, every group came on its own. It's only here in this puzzle. You all came together like a maddening horde. In Perak, hey, that's the way you're supposed to come. You're supposed to come, the good people together, the the heads of 
the heads of the tribes, the Skenim, they should come as committees. They shouldn't come alone. Yeladim mechabdim et haskenim at Perikei, the children gave the elders honor. Ushelachum lifnehem, and they went, the elders went before them. Uskenim mechabdim et harashim, and the elders gave kavod to the heads of state. Lalechet lifnehem, and they went before them. The et harashim. Uh, the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, You see the, you see that in the Rashi. Berbuvia, all mixed up together. They just came as an angry horde. You know, not the way it's supposed to come. The children were pushing the elders, and the elders they 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 pushed around the. So Rashi is sort of like working hard, I would say, working hard to change the story that's being told by Moshe Rabbeinu in Perik Aleph. Moshe Rabbeinu said, "You came to me and you said, let's send Rabbi." I thought it was a great idea, Rashi. You read Rashi, Rashi says, oh, they came, but they were unruly. They were wild. They weren't kind. They, they didn't have proper midot, right? That's what, and that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. They'll, they'll teach us about the way. Okay, Rashi has trouble with that. He says, Bezel Lashon Heim They'll come and they'll tell us what language they speak. It, it, it was like, well, what difference does that make? What difference does that make for the people who are... Uh... So you see, you see that when Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story, he wants to tell it in a kind of sanitized way, that the that the people were not sinning by requesting to send uh, to send somebody, right? To send people to be spies. Look at the, the that second pasuk pasuk of Davar, and I Moshe Rabbeinu thought that this was a great idea. It was a great idea. Right? Let's look at uh, Rashi. You see the Rashi? Pasukav Gimel Adavar. Like great. I thought it was a good idea, Moshe Rabbeinu says, and Rashi says, the inference is it wasn't God's, did not find pleasure in God's eyes. Me, I, I got along with it, but not God. Moshe Rabbeinu 
ראית למה אמרה בתוך החוט, משל לאדם שאומר לחברו, מכור לי חמורך זה. It's like a person who goes to buy, well, חמורך could be a car in modern lingo. אמר לו, hang, okay, you could buy it. נותנו אתה לי לניסיון, will you give me the car for a test drive? אמר לו, hey, sure, why not? בהרים וגבעות, will you let me drive the test drive in rocky terrain? הרים וגבעות, אמר לו, sure, why not? כיוון שראה שאין מעכבו כלום, since the buyer saw that the previous owner of the car has no conditions on the test drive, אמר הלוקח בליבו, so the buyer said, בטוח הוא זה שלא אמצא בו מום, he probably is certain that I won't find any problems with this car. מיד אמר לו, immediately he said, טול מאותיך ואיני מנסהו. Here, take the money, I'm buying it right on the spot, I don't need a test drive. And that's why I agreed, I agreed immediately to do what you wanted. He says, I have my hope, and he actually changes the story again. Again, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say that Moshe Rabbeinu said? I thought it was a good thing. I agreed with you. So what does Rashi say? No, it's like the guy who wants a test. He wants to do a test drive at a car that he's buying. He says, we take we test drive it here, then test drive it there, test drive it the other place. And the seller says, sure, any place, anything as you want. So eventually... The, the buyer understands that he's getting a good deal, that the, the, he's not afraid of letting him do it any place, any place that he wants. And I was hoping for the same thing. I hope that if I would agree that you could send spies, if I would agree that you could send spies, you wouldn't send them. You wouldn't send them. I mean, like like uh, Rashi. You see, Rashi, he has this koach. He just told me a different story. I'm looking at the Pesach, I'm reading the words, and what comes out of the words for me is not what Rashi said. I said something else, something different. Said something different. So the Pesach says, which sounds to me, which sounds to me like... Uh, like Moshe Rabbeinu thought it was a good, a good thing to do. And Rashi says, no, didn't think it was a good thing to do. He was faking. He thought that if he agreed to send the Miraglim, that the people would be smart enough to know that there's no point to sending them. That's what, that's what uh, Rashi said. So that's the story. That's the story that Rashi tells us in Dvarim, where the rendition of the story is given to us from Moshe Rabbeinu. Now I want to look at the way the Nitziv 
the Nitziv, Nitzeli Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, who was the Rosh Yeshiva in Golozhin. Eventually, he was the Rosh Yeshiva for 40 years, but then the, the Yeshiva closed. Because as you probably remember, the Russian government tried to impose a more liberal kind of uh, schedule, more liberal kind of curriculum on the yeshiva. And then they, the Gedolim felt that they could, under those conditions, the yeshiva really wouldn't exist in any event, and they closed the yeshiva. But it seems tried over a number of years uh, to avoid closing the yeshiva and withstood the pressure, but eventually, eventually it became uh, really impossible. But in the yeshiva, the Ritziv uh, gave a shear in Chumash every morning after davening. And that shear in Chumash eventually became his commentary, which was uh, called Hamek Davar, right? You know, a more incisive kind of reading of the Psukim, which was published and I think is a very popular, very popular kind of uh, perush. So let's look at what the, well, let's start from the end of the story. Go back one page, Ezra, page five. Uh, one second. Yeah, thank you. That's great. That's great. Now I'll try to do this as to annotate. As to annotate, start annotating. Okay, I'll do that. Here. Oh, I got. I have a bad color for that kind of. I could do this. Yeah. So at the beginning of the parsha shlach, we're going back to our parsha. The beginning of the parsha shlach. The this parsha the shavua. There's a list of the names of the people that were sent by Moshe Rabbeinu to be Miraglim, to be spies. And at the end of that, the, the next Pasuk, which is Pasuk Ted Zion, it says, Yoshua. You see those words? Moshe Rabbeinu called Hosea Binun and Yoshua. Now, this is not like other people whose names were changed, like Avram and Sarah and Yaakov. Their names were changed by a Kodesh Baruch They changed with and and there's a there's another difference. Avram Avinu's name was changed conclusively. Sarah's name was changed conclusively. Yaakov's name. He got he he got another name Israel, but then he had two names. Sometimes he was Yaakov, and sometimes he was Israel. So there's a lot of thinking that goes into understanding why what the change of name is, and why there would be a change of name. So so the Nitziv, this is the Nitziv that we're about to read. Yadua HaMedrash. So the Tzib reminds us of what Rashi said. Rashi said, based on the Gemara and Sota, right? Yadua HaMedrash Viperish Rashi, Yudhei. Now, if his name is Yehoshua, so it starts with the letters with Yudhei, which is a rend rendering of the name of 
of God. Yoshi right? Mi atzat miraglim. That God, he, he called him Yoshua because he wanted to make sure he knew that God hopefully would would redeem him from the advice of the Muraglim, and that's what happened. He was he and Kalev were the only two who spoke positively. Everybody else seemed to to speak negatively. But the Nitziv said, "Who Pella?" He says, "I don't understand. Who Pella? It is a wonder. I don't get it." Im if Moshe Rabbeinu knew that the outcome of this would be so terrible that he had to daven or, or give give Yoshua a prayer to make sure he would stay on the uh, straight and narrow, lo hayalo lishalcham. He says, so why did he send them? Why did he send them? I mean, it's true that the Rashi that we learned in Tvarim said, Moshe Rabbeinu thought he could trick them into not sending them, but he didn't explain to us what the problem was. Here Rashi says, Rashi says, no, it was a real, it was a real problem. But you have to understand the situation in the following way. And after all, his name, this is not the change of his name, because he 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 was already called Yehoshua in the war of Amalek. The war of Amalek was after, right after they left Mitzrayim. Right? It was right after they left uh, Mitzrayim. And he was called Yehoshua in that battle. Umizehatam. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu used that name, Yoshua, as the name that protects Yoshua bin Nun during war, because that already took place. It took place already in the battle against Amalek. In the battle against Amalek, Yoshua, Yoshua won, but he was protected by that kind of Prayer. It balel Moshe alav sheyoshio b'milchama. Ach lo ayazeh Hashem ki im lishaa. He said that name was applied to Yoshua only temporarily, but after that, after that temporary application, it became at the end. It became his name. Lishaa zo bishat milchama. It became the name that he used when he led the people in battle. Bisha'at milchama. You see those words at the time, the time of uh, a war. And after the war, uh, people kind of forgot about that name and didn't use it. They didn't use it, and Yeshua was called Hosea. They called him, they called him generally Hosea, not Yehoshua. They only called him Yehoshua when Moshe Rabbeinu rejuvenated the name, right? 
Shinit Barer says, what happened? Why did they change his name? Why change the name? Until it became clear to all the people that Yoshua is the man who's going to bring Bnei Yisrael into Machnis Yisrael Aretz. Right? Yoshua Machnis Yisrael Aretz. Im al yedei nevuat el dadu meidad. Remember last week's parasha ba'alotcha. There's the story of el dadu meidad. So el dadu meidad had a nevuah, had a prophecy. Remember, the prophecy was that Moshe would die, and that Yoshua would take them into Eretz Yisrael. So, so the Ditzim just says, how did, how did. Uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu know that Yoshua was going to take them into Eretz Kinaan? Well, either because, well, perhaps because of the Nevoah, of the prophecy of Eldad Umedad. What was the prophecy of Eldad Umedad? That Moshe made with Yoshua Machnis. Moshe and maybe Moshe Rabbeinu understood that their entrance into Eretz Kinan would not be so miraculous as their stay in the Midbar. The Midbar was really miraculous. So he understood, Moshe Rabbeinu understood that he, he, he wasn't so necessary. In a world of the Neskalui, of the obvious miracle, you needed somebody like Moshe Rabbeinu to lead the orchestra, not just to lead the people, but to lead everything that was going on. But if they're going to move from the state of Neskalui, an obvious miracle, the state of a hidden miracle, right? right? After all, after all, what does it say in the puzzle? That God agreed that you could send the Miraglim. So why did God agree that you could say the Miraglim? So according to the Nesim, the reason that God agreed was because God knew that the, the world of Am Yisrael was going to change. And with it, you needed a different kind of leadership. You needed the you didn't need the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu anymore, but you needed the leadership. You you would get the leadership of Yoshua Benun, who was much more connected to reality. Vim came, yeye al yedei Yehoshua, al kain that Yoshua would become the leader. Bercho lechalutin b'zehashem, and he blessed him. To have that name always, the name Yehoshua, right? Yehoshua. So that what the Nitzib is saying is that there was a time when Yehoshua, Yehoshua was the name he used when he took the people out to battle in the world of the Neskalui of the of the obvious miracle, but in the world of the hidden miracle, right? The name Yehoshua became the real name, the real person. Who would lead them, and not just the person who was a follower of Moshe Rabbeinu, Miu 
and therefore the day this name change took place here where there's a list of the people who are Baraglim because they're the ones who wanted to go into Eretz Kinan in order to find out what was really real about it. And furthermore, the teachers as the Nitziv thought that what happened, what happened was like, he, which he explains, we'll see it in a minute, why was it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed? What did God agree to? What God agreed to was to allow this to become a free will decision. They were able to decide. They were able to decide that right now they didn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael. That was the decision that was given to them. Now, if you go back to the first page of the text, which is, I think, page two, Okay, okay, we'll do this, right? The beginning, uh, beginning of our Pasha. Here we are. We learned uh, all kinds of things. We have it in our heads, and now we're going to learn the Pasha. We're going to learn our Pasha. Sounds like God agrees. That God says, send them. And they'll look it over, look over the land of Canaan. One person for each tribe. Rashi. Rashi. Uh, I've got to do this again, right? Rashi says, Shlach Lecha Anashim. No, I can't do that. I don't think so. It takes me a little time to fool around with my computer here. Yeah, I was born too early. Lama nisvicha parashat baraglin the parashat Miriam. Rashi asked this kind of question here and there, and he usually asks it because he can answer it. He doesn't, you know, Rashi's not going to answer your question just to annoy you. He says, Lama nisvicha. Why is there a connection between the par the parashat at the end of Baalotcha? Which is the parish of Miriam and Aaron talking much and horror about Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, what's the connection between that parish and this parish, the parish of the Muraglim? Lefish Lakach Shalakta Al Iske Diba. Since Miriam was afflicted, she was punished because she spoke Lashon Hara, Shedibra Ba'achia, the Lashon Hara that she spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu. Urisha'im halalo ra'u v'lo lachum And these bad guys, 
bad guys refers to the Miraglim, the spies. They saw, they heard, they knew that that's what Miriam did, and lo and they did not accept the implications of what they were about to do. The Pesach says, Shlach Lecha Anashim. Shlach Lecha Anashim. Rashi says, Shlach Lecha Ledatcha. Ani Eini Mitzavelecha. Don't make the mistake of thinking that God wants you to send Miraglim, but it's your choice. So if it's Moshe Rabbeinu's choice, how come he did it? Didn't we learn in Tvarim that it was the used car image? I mean, he was, he fooled himself. Why couldn't he just say no? Why couldn't he say no? If you want, send them. So why did he send them? Right? B'nai Yisrael came and they said, let's send, let's send people. Anashim. Let's send the people we want to send. You all came to me. And Moshe Rapeiru asked heaven what to do. Nimlach means to consult. Shechina, of course, is God. I said, I did what I could do. I told them that going to Eretz Israel is great. Tova. He quotes Apostle. I mean, that Pesach is really God saying that. God, Moshe Rabbeinu, they both agree. I told them she tova. So if they if God said she tova, God said she tova. Shidemar, Alet Hemi only Mitzrayim. Kayem Shanino Tainla Hem Makom lit oat. The divrei Hamiraglim, Leman lo Yirashua. So like there's a lot packed into that. Two lines in the Rashi. Rashi says that Hashem said, Shlach anashim. Don't, there's nothing to do with heaven. I am not commanding you to do it. If you want, send them. Why is God so unhappy with B'nai Yisrael? Moshe consulted with heaven. Amar, God said to him, you know, as Moshe consulted with heaven, it probably means that Moshe Rabbeinu tried to convince heaven that they should be more forthcoming, more supportive, more helpful, you know, like the people who are supportive and they don't stop supporting until they get really into a bad situation. I mean, supporting is not always the solution. It might be a good thing to do. So Moshe Rabbeinu was looking for support. Moshe Nimlach B'Shechina. 
He went to discuss it with God, to consult with God. What is Moshe Rabbeinu consulting with God about? Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to forge a kind of a position in heaven that is more accommodating to B'nai Israel, Because Moshe Rabbeinu, as we saw in the Rashi, in Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu knew that this was a bad deal, that something bad would come of it. And then here also Rashi said about Hosea Binun, right, he had to daven for him. He had to daven for Yoshua, and that's why he called him Yoshua. But look here, it says, I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, said to B'nai Yisrael, that should be good enough for them. That should be clear. A statement directly coming from heaven, whether it was spoken through Moshe Rabbeinu or not, it doesn't matter. God told them, that this is a good place to go to. The only Mitzrayim. Not only will I give you many money, but I will bring you up. There'll be a kind of a, a, a qualitative difference in the world that you live in. And they are now saying that they're not sure. They're now saying that they want to send Miraglim. They want to send spies. The spies might cancel the deal. Chayehem is like a work of, of a taking an oath. I return, God says, I return this matter to a matter of free will. I give them the option and I realize and I know that they're going to fail. I know that they're going to fail because they're kind of enamored by this idea of sending Miraglim. So again, it's not clear, but it is clear about Rashi. Rashi thought it was a bad idea, and Rashi thought that they had sort of like convinced themselves that they wouldn't follow the dictates of Moshe Rabbeinu. And HaKadosh Baruch was angry at them and certainly did not encourage them to send Miraglim, but enabled them to falter, which is something else entirely. They were enabled to falter, to fall on their faces. Okay. Next page, we've got to do the, there's a long introductory comment. Here it is of the Hamek Davar. Hamek Davar. On the sheet, those of you who have the sheet, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty long, it's a pretty long, uh, we'll do a good part of it. And let's see, I told you the Rosh Hashivah for 40 years, approximately the son-in-law, the previous uh, Rosh Hashivah, he wrote, uh, besides his parish on Chumash, he also wrote Chuvot Halakha and a commentary on Shas, not every part of Shas, but five or six volumes were published called Merome Sadek, Merome Sadek. The Amek Dover. You see it? Shalak Vadu Anashim. 
Wait, did I do this? Oh, uh, yeah. One second, one second. Okay. Shlach lano anashim. Perish Rashi. So he quotes Rashi, Lidatcha. Ani eineni mitzavelecha. That's what Rashi said, that God said to uh, to, to uh, Moshe Rabbein. Moshe Rabbein wanted to make God a partner in this enterprise. He says, no, you know, you're on it, your own. Vadai l'shon shlach lecha. Eino b'mashma. He says, the word, the, the way the passage is written, that's not the obvious meaning. Right, the, the idea of adding that lecha, in uh, it means that it's a command, it's a mitzvah. Shehi shehu mitzvah kimashmao. I mean, so how does Rashi, how does Rashi get it? How does Rashi get that that idea? He says the reason that Rashi thought that he had to do that, to make that kind of a comment, is because at the beginning of the book of Dvarim, which we saw, that at the beginning it was the people themselves who came and asked for this kind of result. This is like lingo of the Nitziv. In any event, he says, okay, I understand it. Rashi wanted to make the two sources fit together. And in Devarim, it sounds like they came. And here it sounds like God sent him. So Rashi wanted to put it together somehow. But then it seems says, okay, he's not he's not complaining about Rashi, but he's saying the Pesach still exists as it was written. It sounds like a command. So how do we how do we accommodate that in our understanding of things? How do we accommodate that? It's impossible to leave this pasuk just crooked. This pasuk, there is this statement here and there in the Gemara that a pasuk, there's always a pshat interpretation, even if for some reason you are including the non-pshat interpretation, but the pshat is always there. You have to find it. Od yesh sum leiv. Furthermore, you should think about, like consider. Mara u Yisrael bekan lezeh, velo biyotam bechareiv. I mean, why did they wait to take a trip into the desert? Why did they just? Tell tell Moshe Rabbeinu when they were in Chorev, in Har Sinai, that they should send Meraglim. Elakachayinyan, kachayinyan. He says, I will explain a few things. I will explain a few things. 
Let's explain a few things. It's certainly true that if you if you think about the ways of the world, olam hateva, nature, ayah sholech nachutz lirot ech It seems to him that it seems that sending miraglim is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Even if you're supported by a Kurdish because even if you're supported by a Kurdish you might have to make decisions left to the right. Do I do attack frontally or kind of more? I mean, I know I'm going to win, but why not do the best possible, the best possible resolution? Gemoshe Katava Ramban, and he quotes the Ramban, who said, and you understand this from the words of Bnei Yisrael in Dvarim again, and they'll bring back information by Yeshivu Otanu Davar. Which road do we go on? And it was this is the Ramban. The Ramban says that you could see from the language and the conversation and the charge to the to the Miraglim, to the spies, that they were really going to find out things that you would like to know. That uh, they didn't do, they didn't think incorrectly about it. Vod kamadvarim in Raulika Nesla Eretz Yisrael alone. Is it is it uh, reasonable to go into Eretz Yisrael at this time or not? Lo histapku adayin bezeklal. They they didn't really know. It wasn't like they they were questioning going. They just were interested in the military aspects of things. There are, I mean, you can't just go to conquer a country. You have to know something. This is certainly true. And here's the, uh, the Nitzvah's like notion that he's going to use. He says that this is certainly true if if the conquest of Eretz Yisrael is b'derech ateva. In, in, in other words, God may have promised us Eretz Yisrael, and God may have promised that we'll be victorious in the battle that we wage, but that doesn't mean that there won't be a battle. And that doesn't mean that if we check into the matter, and discover what the best way of dealing with the Hebrew and Eretz Yisrael, that, that won't be good for us. That'll certainly be good for us. But if we're still in a, some kind of position where we're, we're above Teva, meaning 
which is the way they were going until now in the desert. There's no reason to send, there's no reason for anybody to send Meraglim. You only need Meraglim if you're in the Teva. But if you're not in the Teva, you wouldn't send Meraglim. Nothing can stop you if you represent the glory and the power of God. This is when they were still in Chorev, Chorev's Har Sinai. When they started, just started to move away. They really thought that this would be the way they go to Eretz Israel with God, uh, agents of God. They didn't think that they needed Shlichut at all. He's trying to answer the question of why didn't they do this immediately? Why didn't they say they want to send? Well, because in the beginning, when they were still at Choreb, still at Har Sinai, they were living in a, in a privileged world. They were living in a world with God, and they didn't even imagine that they needed Shluchim or, 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 or Miraglim. Shein davar chotzeit v'vnei tiveret uzo v'hinei they thought that this is what they'll do. They'll just walk into Eretz Israel and everything will be fine. They don't need to send Miraglim. This is when they, when they started to travel in the desert. And they went on these three trips that are recorded in the Chumash. And they looked and they saw Kikachel, and they saw that somehow they can't really do it. They saw that whatever they do that is wrong. They're like talking to God. They can't really live up that. They can't really live up to that kind of standard. And they decided that they wanted a change in status. Avodato, Hashem, 
as it would turn out that we can now understand a little more when in Devarim the people came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, let's send, let's send uh, Miraglim. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I thought it was a great idea. So the way he understands it, the way that Nitzvah understands it, why did they come to ask to send Miraglim? They asked to send Miraglim because they realized, they realized that they were not prepared to go in the state of me'alateva, but they wanted to go in the state of being part of the teva, being part of nature, being part of the way the world works. So if they're going to go to conquer Eretz Kenan in the way that the world works, they knew that they would have to plan for the battle. They'd have to plan what they were about to do. So they took a risk, and the risk was that they were going to send Miraglim. The Miraglim in turn pre- provided them with a risk. Moshe Rabbeinu then went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and said to HaKadosh Baruch look, they came up with this idea, should we, you think I should send the Miraglim? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, it's not my issue, it's your issue. Because they are going to be liable to being uh, undermined they are liable to being undermined by the free choice that they make. And so Akkadish so Moshe Rabbeinu understood that it was a problem and that salvation could come to some extent from Yoshua Binun if he rejuvenated the name Yoshua, which was the name that he used when he attacked the uh, when he attacked the uh, Amalekites. And if you remember, several weeks ago, we talked about the introduction of the uh, of the Nitziv to the Book of Bamidbar, where the Nitziv points out that the Book of Bamidbar is called by Chazal in two places, with the Bahag and in Masechet Sota. The Book of Bamidbar is called Sefer HaPkudim. Pkudim is sort of like counting. The, you, you notice things. And it's true that B'nai Yisrael are counted twice in the book of Bamidbar, once in Paragalic, that we have learned already, and, and the other time in the Parsha of Pinchas, which we haven't gotten to yet in the Kriyata Torah, in the, in the Beit HaKneset. Uh, and so the Nisi said, what happened? Why do you have to count B'nai Yisrael twice? And we usually say that God counted B'nai Yisrael because of affection that he had for them. It's like when you own a, a jewel or something very valuable, you like to look at it, you like to hold it. So that's, that's, that's his explanation for counting. But then Nitzit points out, Nitzit points out that these two countings are very significant. At the first time B'nai Yisrael are counted in the Book of Bamidbar, in the Book of Bamidbar, they're counted because they were at Chorev and at Har Sinai, and many of them died because of the Chayta Egel, so that it was something that was necessary. They had to know how many, how many were left, how many were there in Am Yisrael. But the second time, in Pilchas, is after the Miraglim, 
And after the change from being part of the Olam of the Shekhinah to Zeret to being part of the world, by being part of the world of Teva, that the world of Teva is the way they came into Eretz Yisrael. And so they were counted over again because the people who were counted in the beginning of the Book of Bamidbar belonged to a different tribe than the people who were counted at the end of the Book of Bamidbar. And this change took place around the Maraglim. Around the Maraglim, when the people apparently, according to the Nesiv, themselves wanted to be part of the Teva. They couldn't take it. They couldn't take being so uh, uh, on such a, a exalted level all the time. You have to understand that Sadiqim also have difficulty because they have to be Sadiqim all the time. The, the non-Sadiqim have it a little easier. You know, you, you don't expect the non-Sadiqim to always be the same. And so B'nai Yisrael decided, according to the Nasim, that they didn't want to be part of the world of Matan Torah in a real sense. But the real of Matan Torah would ultimately be exchanged with the learning of Torah. Learning of Torah can be, you know, even though it's the attitude is special, but the reality of it is ever. Is the world of Teva that he talks that he talks about? So that the, the fulcrum around which that turns is the sending of the Miraglim. Not even what the Miraglim said. By the time the Miraglim come back and say whatever they say, it's uh, it's not relevant. We we understand that just by sending the Miraglim, we knew that Joshua would not be able to overcome everything but he would be part of the of the salvage of am israel over a period of 38 years in the desert and that's all because of Muraglim. i told you at the beginning i think that uh, we we will have to discuss yoshua binun and his sending of Muraglim on another occasion I have a wonderful